Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. Put the her and deceive her. Good. I have one for the next episode, too. Just so you know. That works. Already have it. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here I thought th- of it, like, right before. <laughs> we like, have so many. We can There's keep another. Going. So, okay. There, it's endless possibilities yep. when you make up the rules. True. Um, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And uh, well, let's just bring on our third co-host. We won't say beautiful co-host for you. Oh, man, my Thank husband you. gets so mad. He's like, you can't say that about a guy. Like, that's not the right adjective. It's no. like, that's just not an adjective. But also, like, we're not out here, like, calling other men Well, handsome. there's also that. But, so. like, I think my husband's gorgeous, but that's like a girly word, I guess. Right. Is that a girly word? Zach, is that a girly word? Is gorgeous a girly word? That's like a compliment you whisper into an ear. Oh, I like. I have less of a problem with it than other options you could have chosen. (laughs) So, I mean, if a wife wants to call her husband gorgeous, I. That's okay. I can't really object. What about like? Would you use that word of one of your sons, or is that just weird? That's too girly. Has a more feminine. Has like a feminine. Going from a man to another man. It's weird. Even if it's your son. No. No, I, I, whenever I refer to my sons, I, use I usually go words. with handsome yeah. or, yeah, Tough. dashing. Dashing, ah. debonair. Yes. Suave. Princely. Yes. <laughs> princely. All right. Well, that's our third co-host today. That's Zach Our Conover. princely co-host. <laughs> ah, thank you. No. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> it's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. I have a question for you guys because this one's actually been bothering me. Um, because I actually am straddling two worlds, which I don't like to do. Uh, my mind is split on this. Interesting. And I thought, does that happen to you? No, that's why it's so troubling. Huh? I don't remember the last time I felt confused. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm a tortoise going through it's true i travel it's through true. the bush i don't walk around them you know like we're just we're going through leaving turtle sized holes. holes in our wake <laughs> i don't have a which direction do i go um but this is a which direction do i go okay. um so if you go to like a bougie burger joint okay they all offer like weird you know, like, ooh, this is something, you know, we're not just a ketchup and mustard right. joint. We put we peanut put... butter and jelly on our... Mm. For... Oh, is this the question? This is where you, you went right to it. So... Mm-hmm. I know you. So, though we are opposites, we are also telepathic. There's also so, that. So, <laughs> it helps. So, the problem I have <laughs> is with the popular bougie peanut... Like they do like a peanut butter, but like spicy jelly uh-huh. on a burger. Wow, yeah. you put your finger right on it, didn't you, Joy? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know what her problem is. If there's something in Summer's way, it's do you put peanut butter and spicy jelly on a burger? Is it acceptable? Because I had one. Mm-hmm. Verdict? It wasn't terrible. All right. Um, But I felt like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I'm temperamental about fusing salty and sweet. But it was Could done be. well. It was done well. Okay. What I ordered bacon? again. Was there bacon on it? It was jalapeno jelly, and I don't remember if there was bacon. Okay. Yeah. I would totally try it. Um, yeah. That's how I felt. So yeah. I'm a big fan of okay. a peanut butter jelly burger. Um, She's a BF. I huge fan <laughs> of the peanut butter jelly. I go to a, a bougie burger place, yeah, and they have a peanut butter. You're going to order it. I will order it. Okay, because uh, but I do think the bacon really kind of takes it over the top. It takes it turns the peanut butter into like a more savory as opposed to like sweet. But um, 
Okay. But that's just my, that's my personal opinion. I think in terms okay. of flavor profile, yeah. it's one of those things that you wouldn't think goes well, but it does go really well. Mm-hmm. Um, There's it some also, things that just work. Right. It's true. Um, okay. Okay. But also... Yeah, um, I'm feeling settled. This yeah. Settling I feel okay. I'm I right. think it can be done wrong. I'm feeling better. It can be done wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm also not a fan... I'm not a fan of peanut butter and jelly burger that's just, like, falling apart while you eat it. Because that's a lot to add to a burger already. Like, mm. it's a lot to have yes. peanut butter and jelly on there. Yeah. And also, you're going to have to cut, like, obviously, no lettuce, no tomato. No. You're going to have... You got to... No, completely. The green that, that I had on the burger was the jalapenos and the jelly, mm. which was delicious. I am such I a think. fan of spicy jelly too. Spicy, spicy jellies mm. to well, die for. You're from the Southwest, yeah, so yeah. That I makes sense be, to me. Has to be spicy. I would totally try it. I'm a more try it. I love simplicity when it yeah. comes to the burger scene, but mm. I would definitely try it. I'll try anything once. Food wow. on a food okay. scale. Yeah. yeah. Have you been skydiving though? Bungee jumping. Okay. How was that? Not skydiving. How was that? You've been bungee jumping? When I was 20, 21. Okay. Maybe. Just just because? It was a trip to California and, uh. you know, I found it online and said, you know what? This just looks really fun. And I went with a couple friends. It was a giant hike in the, the San Gabriel Mountains. Oh, that's so cool. And, you know, you hike five miles in to what's called the bridge to nowhere. It's oh. just a bridge out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and it's it's not like a let's go take a nice hike. A man-made bridge. Yeah. Okay. It, it's not like let's go take a trek and, you know, take in the sights. It's like rigorous. Like you go with a group, you're passing through raging waters and, you know, you get there and then you bungee jump all day, however many times you pay for, and then you got to come out. Uh-uh. It was the most tired I've it ever been. It sounds like you'd have to be 21 to do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> right. I, I would never do it again with children at this point, but yeah, uh-huh. it was certainly fun. It, now, it feels like now you're- our, like heart palpitating is is like but do i order the burger with peanut butter (laughs) do i do that i don't know but yeah no i mean if if i can convince you they are really they're delicious can they be done wrong Mm -hmm. yes of course yeah but done right does the do the flavors really work well i'm totally sold on peanut butter on burgers even just peanut butter too i think even if sans jelly i think it can work Wow. Okay. Well, you guys heard it here. Welcome to Sheologians. <laughs> if you haven't had a peanut butter and jelly burger, now's the time to try. It can be done wrong. Joy has warned you. Um, yes. And no bungee jumping if you're over 21. Um, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Still very insecure. I don't was, know our voicemail number. There was one week <laughs> where They're trying she... to leave a voicemail. It's like, this line has been disconnected. It's, well, it, one time it was my phone number. So, uh, my so personal... here's the thing, though. <laughs> she has always been afraid of giving her personal phone number. <laughs> For years. You manifested she it. Has not, <laughs> she has not done it. I didn't do it. She has not done it. I didn't do it. And then one time recently i'm just like i'm telling you for the bulk for 95 percent of sheologians she has not given the wrong phone number and then all of a sudden she and her face was just like what am i doing right now (laughs) and this is at a time also when i couldn't remember my own phone number like i'm so tired that i like called to make an appointment somewhere and they needed my phone number and i was like i don't know it and then to she told you. that story joke, two ma'am. times on Sheologians because she forgot it. She forgot that you told it, yeah. <laughs> so all I just say, nothing makes me more insecure than saying the Sheologians voicemail. Sex will do things to you, you know, yeah. like keep you up so long you hallucinate. Yeah, you see things, like, you start talking to your friend in the closet. Wait, what? Yeah. Anyway. It's part of the program. <laughs> I recently made the mistake of hanging a bunch of stuff in Ransom's closet that like just out of the corner of your eye looks like a person but i also am in his room in the middle of the night like dimly lit and exhausted so i go in there and i'm just like is it the mothman or like is it just that thing i hung in there i'm not sure nobody knows (laughs) i'm not sure and then how do I leave him in here alone with the right. man hanging in his closet? But um, This is an entire internal dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Monologue, yes. yes. <laughs> Unless they become friends and then Mothman might be like yeah. kind of a good like Trump Ransom card. Like totally if I'm ever in trouble, just like 
to the Mothman. Mothman, I, I need myself. your help. I know he's seven months old, but anyway. Um... <laughs> probably not Mothman. Probably, probably it's, just It's actually just a, a bunch of hanging. that's hanging. Um, anyway, I give him the voicemail number. Yep. Um, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but you, you can um, join our book club at patreon.com slash theologians. Um, we have people from Poland, Norway, South Africa, and a bunch of you Kiwis in New Zealand. Not a bunch. I think two or three of you. Um, so that's fun. Hang out with us there. And um, okay. Wait, I'm going to talk about... Because um, yeah. it's certainly not... a. It's not Father's Day yet, right? No, it's not. Because that's in June. It's in June. And we've only recorded... Girl, we ahead. I know, but like, didn't we do the math and we're only to like... I, it's not Father's Day yet. Because remember, we're only going to be to like... Okay, we can have this conversation while we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of May. Would you guys all like that? It's the end of May. So Father's Day isn't until the middle of June. Which is basically right now. From my remembrance. <laughs> Which is worth so much. <laughs> um, anyway, yep, we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're just going to remind you guys that if there is still time, even if there's not still time, or if it's Father's Day today, or if it was yesterday, um, you can absolutely go to forgedbeardco.com/slash sheologians um and then enter code sheologians for uh, a little discount there uh we would absolutely recommend you do that if you're yes. looking for good beard care they have oils they have beard wash they have a variety of different uh products a variety of different smells and so we would recommend that you go check them out um i like the green one <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but I like the green one. Green, go for green. <laughs> if it has um, a, if it has green words, that's the one I see in my bathroom. It's every probably day. like woodsy, maybe it's like just a little. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because like my grandpa used a certain aftershave that you could like. Oh, old so it's spice, reminiscent for where you. Where I'm just like, babe, you can't put that on your face. Your gorgeous, gorgeous face. <laughs> So now he uses the forged beard stuff with the green letters and it's just great. And he doesn't smell like my grandpa. I love my grandpa. Right. You just you don't want there to be a distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind you of don't love. Wanna... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously a great place to pick up a gift. And uh, if Father's Day was yesterday, it's a great place to Fix... go I mean, tell you your forgot, husband like to did. spend the gift card that you got him. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you guys we haven't had someone just listened to our entire back catalog over the last five months and i like this do is we my, have like an award for that i know person? there should be what one. do you get i want her to call us and like give us our greatest takeaway of how weird we are or just like how much we've changed i'm really curious but she messaged me and she was no she commented like what do they know they know too much about us. They know she knows more about me at this point than I do is the moral of the story. But mm-hmm. we haven't had she she's heard Zach. So we haven't had Zach on since 2019. I don't even know. It's been a while. 2019. Like a, a long time. So um, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> You're my BFF's husband. Yeah. But oh. you do. Taryn's husband. That's but what you do other you. things too. So true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the uh, communications director for End Abortion now, Whoop. so that's my full-time job. day job, is um, slaying dragons and rescuing little ones. So that's what I do. Um, what a that's, cool job. That's what I put my efforts into. Yeah, it's really fun to always explain to family and, and yeah. the average stranger. <laughs> yeah. um, I know, I hate when oh, I'm like, yeah. what do you do for work? I'm like, I don't. The Dutch Brothers drive through. Yeah. You know? Oh, because they yeah. ask way yeah. too yeah. many questions. Oh, yeah. They're relentless. Relentless. So now I just lead with it. I, I, you know, I try to, I run, I take part in a ministry that saves babies' lives from abortion. Yeah. What's the face you get? Varied reactions. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Or. Nothing. What's Nothing. your order? Yeah. Right. right. 
So well, I'll make yeah. a note to spit in this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I tell them when I can see them. Yeah. And not at the window. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, you mean when they're hanging out the window asking yeah. you Crawling into what your, your plans are for the day? Yeah. But no, I'm so that's what my... do they call men at Dutch Bros? Yeah. Because they always call me girl. They're like, hey, girl, like, what you doing later? Yeah. Girl? Bro, dude. Oh, okay. Um, that makes man. sense. Man. man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do they know you're a man? It's crazy. Yeah. They're know, assuming they an awful lot. They are assuming so much just by looking at your True. beard. <laughs> True. <laughs> and usually my wife and four screaming children yeah. in the back. <laughs> Kids always want to roll down the back window. I want to say hi. I want to say oh, hi. They do, and they're just screaming. They? It's they because really they're so do. friendly and the kids are just Very ready friendly. to return that yeah. energy back. Yeah. Oh, they love it. They want to talk about the, all their plans for the day. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. Okay. But yep. no, that's that's my full-time day job, but I'm just an average guy, a member of Apologia Church, um, tr- trying to serve the body and, and try to be a husband and a father during these times. So that's that's what I do. Wow. Yeah. You must be... You must be so you must be swimming in free time just like all of us <laughs> yeah like all of us yeah. i don't set myself apart and in, in that category we're all busy obviously but oh man it gets real man yeah you know you're up to your ears and trying to, to raise godly children and and, and be faithful job. and so that's yeah just comes with the program just try to accept that so basically you guys we invited another apologian on the show so <clears throat> let's see how short we can keep this uh between the three of us there are sins well in this and, area. Uh, i don't have a pulpit in front of me so it shouldn't be yeah too bad i was gonna say um i think one of jeff's favorite like one of the things he loves most about having you around is that you are the only person he knows that can preach longer than he can <laughs> It's true. I've noticed he has a signal now when he's trying to wrap me up. Yeah. And it's usually an approach from the side of the aisle. No. I, I I haven't asked him about it, but I'm pretty sure that's he, what he's doing. He loves it, it though. He loves the it thing, though. He gets closer he, oh, and he's it's like closer. he's like He's like getting close. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good to know. But it's Good this thing that like he like he doesn't have to be I don't know. It's just he loves it because he's not the only one. Yeah. You share you share that. So even though you think he's giving you a signal, yeah. he's like, I le- because I can give you the signal, I'm not the problem today. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. For this yeah. one day. Anyway, we invited Zach on. I mean, he already told you guys that uh, his main day job is end abortion now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he also works in the studio. So yeah. we have chats. And... Uh, you know, Joy and I have been, I think, alluding to this topic in several ways. I mean, honestly, if you listen to all of our stuff in the last five months, you would know that we've just been saying the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, there, when you do things like this, I've noticed even like being being with Apologia from the beginning, mm-hmm. you have like eras. Oh yeah, where, <laughs> you were just like, talking about this the other yes, day. Yes, like yeah. where your pastor, you can tell he is really uh-huh. like learning a lot about this uh-huh. or experiencing like personal mm-hmm. transformation uh-huh. and sanctification, mm-hmm. and so this is just like the spot where his focus yeah. really is, and he's just like yeah. in it. But I think that we've done that too, oh, yeah. where we have eras for sure. What's and, on your mind is what comes out, right? Yeah. Yes, and so we've been in our like delusion. Yeah. Versus reality era. Era. For, well, I, I don't know. How long like, has it been? Five been, months? Six months? It's been a while. I a just year? think that uh, the, the pressure that Christians... I don't think we feel enough pressure on this topic. And I know that Zach has a lot of thoughts on the topic um, as well. And I just want to... I want to talk about what it is to... Do we have a biblical command to mortify sin? What is our duty with our sin? Because it's really easy to look out into the world and go, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. That's sin, that's sin, that's sin. But if we're going to start in the house of God, what is our duty with cleaning up our own house? And 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 why? Why is why is that our duty? And I think a lot of times we talk about cultural issues 
that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you apply the truth to the culture? Yeah. But if we're talking about the house of God, what is our duty with our sin? Yeah. Well, I think that the Bible is very clear about the nature of what salvation is. And it's much more than just verbal assent, mental assent. It's actually a work of God in our hearts that changes us from the inside out. Um, and so that entails so much more than just deliverance to mm. heaven one day. Mm. Um, it entails an entire life of obedience and faithfulness to God. But that obedience isn't um, ours to bring about by our own power. We're spirit-empowered Christians. You know, To be forgiven in Jesus means to be indwelt by his spirit and to be empowered to carry out the works that are dependent upon the spirit's power. Um, so as a springboard to that, you know, the apostle Paul says, what shall we say then? Um, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Um, we were buried with Christ. Um, our sins were crucified with him on the cross. Um, they went into the tomb with him. And just as he was raised to walk in newness of life, so were we. And our sins are not to follow us out of the grave. They're actually to stay dead. Um, so Christ was crucified for sins. We, the Bible says, were crucified in him so that we would go on killing indwelling sin. That is the remaining sinful uh, nature in our members, right? That old man that was, cruci- that was crucified. We're to continually drain that old man of his power, until he wastes away. And that's the process of sanctification. It's not a anything that we're going to complete this side of heaven. Um, it's not being freed from the presence of sin. That happens when Christ uh, returns to consummate everything. However, le- as we've been freed from the penalty of sin, the Spirit's work in our lives uh, works to free us from the dominion of sin, is the language of Scripture. That is the power of sin in our lives, so that we can actually be effectual, for God. And so that upon that basis is the reason why every Christian is commanded uh, to mortify, if you will, is the, is the technical term, right? To put the deeds of the body um, or, or the desires of the sinful man to death so that they don't bring forth the evil deeds of the body. And, you know, you could take one more place into consideration with that. Romans eight thirteen: if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And notice, it's very important, by the spirit. In other words, only Christians can do this. Yeah. It's not an act of moral reformation brought about uh, by yourself. It's um, a Christian activity in particular. And then it says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Now we have to ask, what is the spirit leading the sons of God to do? Mm. And that verse, that, that word there at the beginning of verse 14 is really important for Mm-hmm. Right. It connects us to the previous verse. So mm-hmm. the spirit of God leads the sons of God into conflict with the deeds of the body to kill them, to make war mm-hmm. on the sinful nature mm-hmm. of the flesh. And so that's the the spirit of adoption. That's the spirit of faith that we received by grace so that we don't fall back um, under fear. Right. right. That spirit of slavery that leads us to fear. So that's that's what it is. And that is kind of a, a springboard for why every Christian is commanded to do it. How, let's say, is this something that is, so you're saying it's led by the spirit and we know that in order to produce the fruit of the spirit, that is obviously something that is spirit led. Yes. But what would the Christian's obligation be if the, if it's spirit led, how do you know, like, how do you know that? How do you see that? What's your duty in activity there like if i need the spirit to show me my sin yes then how does that even like come about am i waiting am i praying to be shown like what does that look like what does that mean that you are active in that or do you have to be active in that if it's the spirit's work yeah i I, well i think that um there's there's ends and there's means so there's ends of a sanctified christian being fully mature presented before the throne of glory right And then there's the means that God has ordained for that to happen by. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, prayer, you know, uh, scripture internalization. Um, But this is the fruit of union with Christ. So it's not something that happens, of course, automatically. God works through the means of our obedience to actually bring it about. Mm. And so 
if you think about how we were saved, right? Paul says in Galatians chapter three, let me ask you this. Uh, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Right. So in other words, mm. how were you reconciled to God? Was it by your doing or was it through faith? Uh, the, the gift of God, right? There's the contrast between grace here. And so by that same token, we were begun in a certain way. And the way that we continue the Christian life in putting these things to death is uh, the same way. So whether we're, uh, you know, parenting, whether we're leading, uh, whatever we're doing, uh, we do that with a dependence upon the Spirit's power by hearing with faith. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so that's how we continue. We weren't begun in the flesh. We don't continue in the flesh, but we continue in the Spirit's power to actually see this through. So we do have an active responsibility and a role to play in it. It's not as if God just zaps all the sin out of us, right. um, but he does use the means of our obedience. And, you know, Christ was, uh, he, he shed his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. He, he bore that penalty on the cross, but he also shed his blood to purchase the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells every Christian in order to bring about his power and his purposes in our lives. And so that's what's meant by a dependence upon his power. But you can't do any hearing if you're not listening. Right? Correct. Correct. Right. So Of course it's the word, that's the Christian answer, right? I mean, right. but it's true. It is the power of the word. It's the truth yeah. of God's word that actually drives this out and it's our This is important though because Hebrews tells us that the reason they perished in the wilderness, they heard the same message as you. Mm. What separated them? They did not unite themselves by faith to it. Right? Mm. That's why they fell. Right. They were hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, which is kind of what you wanted the discussion to center on Mm -hmm. is there's some pitfalls to this now. Um, Mm -hmm. There's being hardened by sin. There's excusing it. There's justifying it. And that is something that leads us away from the living God rather than, you know, being obedient to his word. And so, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. we we unite ourselves um, to the promises of God by faith in his word, what he's Mm -hmm. promised. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a Christian who maybe doesn't feel as though they are like actively being sanctified? Like, you know, that stagnant. So like apathy, the what was it? The Laodiceans that were lukewarm. Yeah. Um, Like that feeling like, well, the Holy Spirit isn't doing anything mm. with me. Yeah. What What do you say to that part? Like, is that is that even is it even possible? I would say if you're a true believer, um, there is going to be evidence of the work of God in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you feel anything? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel uh, remorse over your sin? Do you ha- have a desire for fellowship with God? And are you motivated to actually rid yourself of the things that displease Him? Mm-hmm. Um, Because here's the thing, Mm. if the Holy Spirit indwells us as Christians, then he is grieved anytime we give harbor to his adversaries. Mm. And so if we're harboring these things that we know uh, displease God, that we know draw us away from God, and we don't feel anything, of course, that's an issue. And so we have to... I think what what John Owen says in his his book, The Mortification of Sin, if you haven't read it, it's the only book I've read two or three times. Um, It impacted me that greatly. Hmm. But one of the antidotes Hmm. to this is to get a sense of the severity and lasting nature of the guilt of our sin. To actually, so to get a sense of the severity of our sin, right? Mm. How serious it is, the sinfulness of sin. Which Mm. I would think would go along with apathy, because apathy is a sin. Yes. Um, That dulls you. But I know what you mean. Like you have this like very stagnant, dull feeling, and yeah, in that moment, kind of what you've done is you've lost the sensation of like how serious, right? How Mm. serious and offensive your sin. And you've done so by most likely um, either comparing that awful sin that besets you in your life to other sins that are not so bad in your own life, Mm. or you are comparing the sin in your life to your neighbor next to you and justifying it as to say, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. 
or like you should have seen me before I was saved there you or go. something like that. Yeah. So there, that is a way to become hardened um, in that. And, well, then and then we tend to tolerate it. Maybe one of the, I don't know, maybe one of the things that, well, definitely don't want to neglect, but I think, I do think apathy could come from neglecting like the um, practices of the believer Yes. Like praying. Yes. Reading the Bible. Means of grace. <laughs> yeah. That and could... not fighting hard from the beginning. Right. When the sin was on your doorstep the first time. Oh, right. You let the, the you tiger let it get a foothold. into the house and you, know? you treat it like It was a crouching right. at your door and its desire was to destroy you. And I think that the attitude of most Christians uh, today, unfortunately, is not to see sin as serious as it is um, before mm-hmm. the eyes of a holy God. We struggle with the concept of a holy God, that he won't tolerate it, that he won't put up with it. And so I think we make allowance uh, for it in our lives when we need to understand that it's an enemy and it is such a ruthless mm-hmm. enemy that it will slit our throats in our sleep. Mm-hmm. It is it is a liar mm-hmm. and its yeah. desire is to utterly destroy our lives, mm-hmm. to Which make would... us ineffectual and ultimately to sever us yeah, which would make sense that um, there would be sort of a harmless like spin mm-hmm. put on it. Like, yeah, it's not really that bad. Yeah. Um, that would be, I mean, that that's like an enormous deception that that's the very first deception then is like, oh, this isn't what it's not like how God said it would be like sin isn't what God said. Yeah. It would be sin is this other way that's not it's like not that bad. It's like kind of bad, but like not that bad. Right. It's the Satan comes to you not being like, hey, I'm Satan. But that's and a, I'm what, here I, to destroy what I'm you. saying it's is like, like that's like an intentional move. Like you're yeah. talking about making war yeah. with sin. And, and most people are even uncomfortable with that language. Right. Most yes. Christians. Yes. yes. But I don't relate. You're that talking... just excites me. <laughs> right. There's a battle to fight. Yes. Please send me. me. And it's the me first too. and most important battle. Right. Is the thing. But that's like, it's very strategic. Yeah. To package something really horrible and necrotic as this like. Beautiful thing. Living beautiful thing. Yeah. And, um. Oh, and if you're neglecting the disciplines of the faith, you're not going to see. Yeah. You're not going to see it as dead. You'll see it as living and beautiful when it's really like yeah. gross. This is going to sound off topic, but this just so reminded me, everything you guys were just saying so reminded me of how we talk about singleness. We talk about it as a gift, right? It's this mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. Singleness. Sure. Not celibacy. Sure, we sure. don't make the necessary distinction. We're like, here's this beautiful gift I got you for Christmas. It's so wonderful. Don't you love it? And then yeah. we just expect the single people who do not have the gift of celibacy and desire to be married. We want them to like put on the ugly Christmas sweater that we made them and be like, it's the most beautiful sweater I've ever had. Right. I, I love, love it. this. We stand there and we're like, love the ugly sweater. Yeah. <laughs> like, quick, fast. Like we, you, we dress this it up. This is like the it's... present for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the present that was given to you. We know that you hate it. Open it with joy. But please, <laughs> please love it. Like, why do we do we anyway? Yeah. Just the whole like gift imagery that you, you use just reminded me of that. We talk, we call this thing a gift that is, that is an affliction. Like to people that seek to be married, oh yes, it, like it does not feel like a gift. No. It feels like an affliction. And so then we even when we package it up and call it something different, we take away even the tools that that person might need to suffer well. Yes, because because yes, if you are single and you're not married and it's an affliction, this is something that you do still have to faithfully yeah. walk through. But we are going to pretend that it's not an affliction so that you feel better. But, but that really just takes away any kind of comfort or godly tools you might be able to give the person to deal with it well, because yep. now they have to like pretend to love it. Yes. The delusion is that you pretend to like this. And what that <laughs> what that results in is a bunch of single people who want to be married, punishing themselves into feeling like they don't want to be married. 
Right. Because it's this beautiful thing you're supposed to love because we're calling it a gift. Be- well, it's because what God has given you. Right. Right. That's how we phrase it. Right. This is what God, which to an extent is true. Sure. Like where you're at yes. is where God has you. But that's the thing about deception is it tends to right. have that little nugget of truth to where you can't like 100% gilded reject covered it. in gold yes but but the inside is lead inside. yes <laughs> yeah it's always the connection point it's like then like you said the nugget of truth up front but then the the next part doesn't logically follow no that god it, wants you this is his intention for you to be single right yeah so therefore love you know? it but it's like well no it's like you're supposed to rejoice in the lord always yes. i yes. don't have to rejoice in that and like love this affliction mm-hmm. i can love god through it i can love that he's i can trust him I, he's sanctifying me and those are all good things but you don't have to call the thing itself it's like well it's like the way you talk to somebody who's just lost a child you wouldn't be like oh this death is such a gift to mm. you. And we acknowledge right. as Christians, when we walk through a dark valley, we can acknowledge the gift of growing stronger to the Lord mm-hmm. in that dark time is a very real thing. Like, yes, we understand that the sanctification is a very real thing. The learning to trust more in him is a very real thing, but the death wasn't the gift. Right. right. And, and yeah. the, the conversation about that being a gift can happen six months after yeah go ahead and have some tact like let's like read the room is fine reading the room is absolutely anyway isn't it funny that we do we like maybe this is i don't know it's just related in some way like we tell like the evangelical culture tells single people like you have a gift enjoy it and then we tell married people like you have an affliction yes. work hard through it yes. this is gonna be the darn tootinest hardest thing you've ever done dear and it's like wait how is it that all this like gift and affliction tends to line up with exactly what the culture right. would say mm-hmm. like oh you have a baby oh you have a lot of kids oh, oh. you must be having a horrible time but you can do it yeah <laughs> Nobody is like, oh, the gift. Treat it as a gift. Smile. It's like, oh, just let all of the women cry. Just let them yeah. cry all day about it because it's hard. And it's just, it does. But not the single up. women who long for children. No. They should not be crying. No. They should be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And enjoy the gift that they have. And it's like, you're see-through. Isn't it yeah. just see-through? Yes. It's so self-deceived. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's see-through. But because it lines up ultimately with our flesh and with selfish desires, I think a lot of Christians, because because us moms, you know, the reality is we love our children and they're a gift, but we know how tired we are. So we go ahead and let that kind of verbiage continue yes. because, oh, well, wouldn't it make me a hypocrite if I being tired with all my children told other women that children are a blessing. And it's like, well, no, that's not it. But we let that continue out of some false sense of piety. Like, well, you know, I think preachers struggle in general with that pastors, you know, they understand how sinful they are and how unworthy they are of their office and their position. And to bring the word of God before a room full of (laughs) blood bought believers. And so I think sometimes uh, they tend to disqualify themselves or want to and say, well, I, God knows I haven't been obedient to this like I should. Mm-hmm. How am I going to bring it before the congregation mm-hmm. and 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 tell them what God says? And I think the answer to both um, scenarios is this: that His Word is true, regardless. It's the standard. Right. Uh, whether or not I've lived up to it is is a different question. Right. But the question is, what is the plumb line to which we are to be conformed? And right. I can take every comfort in knowing that even if I've failed. This is his standard, and I'm preaching it to myself as much as I'm preaching it to you. That is what. So, wouldn't that be that? Uh, it's really interesting that you said that. So, if I am not going to give the truth to somebody because I've failed to meet the standard, so I'm going to lower it, wouldn't that be making yourself the standard? Isn't uh, that pride? Wouldn't that be pride? Like, it would be I'm exalting not- yourself in a fashion. Yes, yeah. above the truth. Yes. Like, I can't tell, like, uh, I don't I can't tell my daughters not to go underage drinking because I Yes, because that's part of my past or, or whatever, like what I you. yeah, you can't say to your son not to do x y and z because you did it makes you the standard mm-hmm. in a way that um and I think we do that with parenting. We were kind of talking about it. Like I 
if I'm on social media, then I have to let my 12 year old on social media. Like, but you're not the standard right. of what is best. You need to derive your parenting principles and tell your kids what's true based on scripture and not some weird egalitarian, well, we're all just sinning together in this boat. Like, that's just not helpful. I guess I never. And yeah. one thing that allows for is an environment where we confess our sins openly because we're all accountable to the same standard. And so if I'm guilty of it, then I need to initiate that confession. Um, you know, we talk about deceiving ourselves. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say mm -hmm. we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Mm. And the truth is not in us, right? If we mm -hmm. say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word isn't in us. So this all ties in mm -hmm. here very nicely to... Um, God's word being the standard and the only standard um, that testifies of the only savior who can actually help us by his spirit, put these things to death within mm -hmm. us. If it's not Christ, if it's not his power, mm. it won't last. It won't be effectual. And so really our only hope is him to do these things, to bring them about. How would you say, so if, if one of the fruits of the spirit is peace, yeah, but we're talking about going to war. Is there is there a sort of maybe contradiction, or how would you solve? That's a good question. How yeah. would you solve the tension between I am called to live at peace, I am called to live at war. Yes. How do I manage both? It reminds me of uh, Romans at the end, where Paul tells the church, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. There's no contradiction in terms of Jesus making peace by going to war. So peace is an effect of fighting and winning and having victory. And as we kill right. sin, as we experience victory and actually draining it of its lifeblood and starving it of its power, um, that creates momentum. Mm. It creates um, an effectual living out of our mm. faith in our lives because we're not constantly pulled down by the shame and the guilt mm. that so shackles us, right? Mm. We we can't be effectual for God if, with a dirty heart. Mm. It, it won't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that consequently is one of the reasons why I wrote that article is because if we have dirty hearts, shame, guilt, sins weighing us down, then we will not preach the message of repentance to a rebellious culture because we ourselves are burdened by that shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And so we have to get our own hearts clean mm -hmm. and then we'll be in a position. Um, you know, David says in Psalm 51, um, deliver me from blood guilt and I will teach transgressors your ways. Mm. And so the instruction of transgressors is the result of the peace that comes from, um, killing our sin and, and taking advantage of the means that God has ordained for us to do so. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I, that, that's pro probably how I would resolve it to say that, you know, <sighs> Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So there is, um, a feeling of well being that we are to have, but how we get it is how God ordains for us to have it. Right. Um, Right. It comes through the way that he has ordained it. And this is how he has meant it to be. This is how he has meant for there to be that lasting joy is to actually expel his enemies from our hearts. Because one of the great things about Christ is that he won't be satisfied until he's completely rid us of those things. So I know this is kind of getting into the, the how here, but, um, we have to believe that he is both willing and able to oh, do yeah. this in us. Yeah. Like he not only has the power, but he has the desire to actually right. set us free right. from sin. Right. And that's very important because right. that is the basis of our faith right. that he wants to, and he's strong enough to do it. He's actually able to bring it to pass. So ultimately if you're not at war, if you do feel at peace, it's probably a fake peace. You're, what you're probably at peace with is your, actually your sin. So Jeremiah says, you know, they've healed the wound of my people lightly. They've said peace, peace when there is no peace. And sometimes when we go to kill our sin, um, 
Pastor Jeff gives that example a lot of, you know, Jesus saying, um, you know, cut off your hand. Um, most people would rather take a butter knife to their wrist and and speak peace, heal the wound lightly, um, rather than do the hard work to pull it up by the root. So absolutely, I think that sometimes we're very quick to speak peace to our sin, when in reality, nothing's changed. We still love it. Right. Right. That, and that's that's what it comes down to is the desire of the heart. Are you doing this because you're fearful? Are you doing this because you don't want to go to hell? Or are you doing it for a gospel reason? And that is because you desire fellowship with God and you hate his enemies and you hate the sin in your own heart. Is that your motivation for, for wanting to do it? Because that's, that's a gospel motivation and that's how right. we should be motivated. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right. You'll have life. Do you want to live? Right. That, that needs to be the motivation. Right. Your eyebrows are together. <laughs> you know, there's the wheels turning when there's eyebrows like, go together. I, was like, oh. I didn't even realize I'm going to relax my face now. <laughs> I was about to be like, let's talk about how. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's talk about what next week. But your eyebrows were together, so I wasn't sure what was happening. I think, well, I want to talk. I want to say something in say this it. conversation. Uh, and I want all of us but to I say have to something. Preface it, but I want to say something. <laughs> I want all of us to say something just in regards to um so even just in talking about there goes the train. Um yeah. like delusion versus reality. I want oh. to talk about okay, yeah, yeah. how mm the philosophies mm. of the world can assist in this delusion. Let's talk. Okay. So there are two categories here. There are, how do the philosophies of the world allow unbelieving, but claiming to be believing mm. people mm. to quote love their sin mm. and how does it look for the legitimate believer yeah um like picking and choosing the intelligence of the world to assist in the the uh delusion like how do we there so yeah those are the two categories we can talk about them both but i guess maybe my interest is more in that legitimate believer yeah um deceiving mm. themselves so we're not talking i feel like we covered the difference between someone who might think they're a believer but they're not actually mm -hmm. so maybe we talk about what the deception of an actual because it's not that we're incapable of self-deception yeah mm. um and I think a lot of that comes just from like our surroundings or even like what we've kind of ten been tending to talk about is just even our upbringing, yes. like the culture that yes. we were all kind of raised in. And then like when you're actually going through something or, you know, just for an example, like you were raised in a certain, you're raised in this egalitarian feminist culture and then you get married and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that really mm -hmm. imprinted a lot yeah. onto me. And I'm discovering stuff that I didn't like. If you ask me just straight up, do I believe this? I'd be like, no, I don't believe that. Yeah. And it's like, well, then why are you? But it came out through your fingertips. Right. Yes. In action. Yeah. You applied that. Your, that principle. your theology, what you actually believe became evident yeah. by the way right. that you're living. And you didn't yes. know that you had actually ingested that. I think you, I don't know, I, I think that if you are not willing to take a sledgehammer to your internal beliefs, if they don't line up with scripture, then you will have to actively engage in self-deception if you truly have the spirit, because you are trying to serve two masters. And you can't serve two masters ultimately. So this is kind of like straddling two worlds. It's what you're trying to do. 
Yeah. Emphasis on master (laughs) there because only one can be truly master. Yeah. That's Jesus's point. It's not that there can be two, but there can only be one one. true master. Yes. So there has to be self-deception. There has to be a a cover up. And for a real believer, um, you have to be willing to take a knife to whatever scripture reveals and says, Mm. This is sin and this is wrong. And I just, if you're not willing to do that, then it should be that like, here's your sign. Like, here's your red flag that you're holding on to this. Like, this is something you're not willing to let go of. This is something that you're not willing to quit doing or quit believing this. this, You don't hate it like God. You don't hate it like God does. Right. Right. Like, well, and I think sometimes we don't even get... Like, we're not even at willing versus unwilling yet. Sometimes it's like, I don't think of that even. The delusion is that I have erased it mm-hmm. from... An option. It's right. not even a possibility like, for this to be a problem. It's sitting over there in the corner, and I straight up have convinced myself it's not sitting there. It's the, This is what Rosaria Butterfield talks about. She's like, sin is like this this lion that you let into your house, and you're like, this is my pet. You're, say, you're saying there's you're a saying, reason pet sins. Yeah, like you're yeah. calling this your pet. It's not your pet. It's a wild animal. It's a that's wild there animal to consume you. It's <laughs> probably destroying your house. Yeah, you but can't you civilize keep, or domesticate it. No, right. <laughs> but you keep telling yourself like this is good. This is it's yeah. just my pet. This is my my family. This is our cat. Like this is just our cat, our house cat. Don't is, be weird. Don't that's, be. <laughs> stop being weird about my house cat. Carrots over there. <laughs> carrots well yeah and i just think carrots is more of a name for a bunny but (laughs) but it's fine it's just my whiskers yeah (laughs) simba i think yeah but like like you said obviously that self-deception is like that's my pet when really it's destroying your house yeah but the question is once your eyes are opened to reality are you going i think that are you going to double down are you going right. to say, no, that's my pet. I see that it's torn up my entire house, but it's my pet. It's fine. And then you're going to continue to tell yourself ways that it's fine instead of taking a shotgun to the head like it probably needs to. Like right. that's and that's that's those are your only two options. You, you're you're going to go to war with it. Yeah. You're going to get rid of it or you're going to continue. You're going to deceiving yourself. Your family. Well, you have to lie to yourself. Right. Yeah. You have to lie to yourself to say, no, it's fine. Uh, and that's, that is what I think we just, we do in mass. That's the cultural, we're under such a delusion, I think, as an entire culture. And we as Christians do it to ourselves with our sins. And I think that it's gotten to the point where we, we could even say that we like it. Yeah. We like it. And, and I think that this is where it becomes important. And not just because you and I are personally interested in the culture, but I think this is where it's become so helpful for me to understand what the culture is doing. Mm -hmm. Because then I can see if I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And this, and now I think first and foremost, you need to know what the word of God says so that you can know you're doing that. So that that. you can discern whether or not. But then there's this little helper that comes up. That's this little secondary Mm -hmm. sidekick to knowing the word and doing what it says Mm -hmm. and being able to look around and going, I know what a lion looks like. Do I see one here? Yeah. (laughs) Like, is there a lion living in my house? (laughs) Like, I I mean, and in order to do that, you have to know what a lion looks like and what it does. So that is what Joy just said, I think, is the requirement of a Christian. Mm. If there's, if you've brought in a lion into your house and call it a pet, you should probably be looking for the lion. Yeah. Would you say there's a special call on men to do that in their homes? Considering our (laughs) particular office, uh, the responsibility and charge that God has laid before our feet to be responsible uh, for those in our immediate care. Yes, because I believe that there's a certain tone that is set and a certain example to be followed. And when the example that's being put forward uh, for my people that is not faithful to, you know, a, a proper definition, a, a good picture, a faithful picture of what a man is supposed to be, then that is also emulated. And mm. so uh, for good or ill, what you do will be seen. And so 
obviously I, I wouldn't advance it completely on completely beyond the call of women to do the same and be faithful and kill sin. But I would say that, um, you know, as goes the father, so goes the nation. So yeah. households, mm-hmm. churches, mm-hmm. Uh, civil realm affairs, mm-hmm. all of those things uh, were designed by God to have headship, mm-hmm. uh, to have leadership. Mm-hmm. And if there is a house divided against itself, it can't, it can't stand. Um, and so, yeah, in a particular way, mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree with that, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, yes, <laughs> I would say that. You mentioned the cultural conditions by which these things come about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did, too. You touched on it. It's important because um, I think, like you said, we've grown up in the water not knowing we're wet. Yeah. And then when we try to function, um, we realize that we actually have these awful beliefs Mm-hmm. Um, you like think you're mostly okay, yes. Especially if you've been in a good, solid church yeah. for a while, mm-hmm. but there are and you we've are just okay. Caught. But then <laughs> you like find these little corners with these little cobwebs where you're like, "What? What is that? What is that doing there?" Yes. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know. I but be- yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm you know reminded. I think about First Peter and how he calls um, his audience chosen chosen exiles mm-hmm. um, or elect exiles. Um, so you're God's chosen rejects, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason that you have these desires now to not look like the communities that you were ransomed from. Mm-hmm. You belong to a different king. You have a different law. You have a different right. people now. Mm-hmm. And so the question that comes on the tail end of that is, okay, well, what makes a community? Like mm-hmm. what, what makes a community is the object of its worship. And so the worship of the God of that system will direct the loves, the hates, the laws, Mm-hmm. of an entire society of people. So, you know, if you have a society like ours where self is God, mm-hmm. self is worshipped, mm-hmm. self is deity, mm-hmm. then that takes primal place, that has the glory, and everything needs to be sacrificed mm-hmm. to self, um, whether it's a baby, whether it's a job, whether it's a marriage, mm-hmm. everything bows to self, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the radically autonomous individual. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we're growing up in those cultural waters, mm-hmm. that gives us a very good uh, contrast, a very stark contrast to the kind of self-sacrificing behavior um, and attitude and mindset that we're to have towards our sin. Because what you can't have in a society where self is worshiped is you can't stand over someone and say, you're not allowed to do that. That's right. Because I'm God, you know, because I'm God, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. I'm God Mm -hmm. in this scenario. Mm -hmm. And that's what a society designed around self. Those are the kinds of laws that it will enact. Those are the kinds of, that's the kind of pantheon of gods it will tolerate and worship. That's the kind of priesthood it will ordain. And the worship of your God is not allowed there. And so, if we're going to understand this, then we have to understand that we've grown up in that. So mm-hmm. to be told, you have to change. This behavior is very destructive. And if you don't put it to death, it'll destroy you. You can't tell me that right? in a, in a culture like that. Right. You can't right. say that to me right? because yeah. it serves me. It's about being true to myself. It's about loving myself. Um, it's about finding myself. Right. All of these. Which the self is the greatest thing to find. And it's all, it's been so logically inconsistent for so long. That's why we, that's why the world had to create all these sciences, all these fields of study, all, all this research, all this everything to basically create a world where, uh, that substantiates the God of self. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and not that you just throw everything we've learned in the last hundred years out the window. Right. Conclusions, the conclusions, I could say, mostly <laughs> throw them out the window. Some of the observations aren't too bad. Right. But yeah, you have to consider that um, that little study, that little um, that uh, poll that you're borrowing from the world mm to kind of make yourself feel better about your own sin or maybe pretend that the lion's not there. Uh, That was the, that was the manic, desperate, very detailed delusion set up by a world that doesn't want there to be a God that hates him and they want to be God. And that won't allow any external standard to come from the outside to speak into it. Right. 
so the proverbs say that you know whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire he breaks out against all sound judgment so if you're alone in your own autonomy yes you're a fool right yeah and you won't allow and you're external on a mission counsel. you're you're on an intentional mission like you're seeking your own yes. desire. Oh, yes. that, it's not accidental. It's like, right. I'm doing this for because this is what I want. And I want what I want. Which is what James tells us. The origin of sin is our own desires. Don't say when you're tempted that I'm being tempted by God. Right. Um, you know, sin and I, the language, they're so powerful. You know, there's there's conception. There's sin that's conceived yes. in your mm-hmm. heart. And that sin actually uh, gives birth yeah. to something. And then when that desire fully grown, it brings about death. And so that's the the nature and the source of the evil desires. It comes from us yeah. because of the problem of sin and our desire to have what we want, which is ultimately not God outside of him. Right. <laughs> yeah. We hate him and we want to be him and we will do. I And that's, that's what really gets me is that we will do anything mm. to survive. Mm. We will take that route that is not survivable, the way of death. And we have to, we will do anything to convince ourselves that that way leads to life and not death. Mm-hmm. Up until the moment we close our eyes for the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I think I, I guess that's the, that's the real detail I'd like to add after we've just been talking about this here and there for a a while is just like, if you really think about it, it will become so clear to you how far you're willing. You are willing to go Mm -hmm. to survive, to, to survive, to keep your lion alive. Right. Um, Cause yeah, it sounds like, you know, it's like how, how much could a believer, what could a believer really do? Someone who's really a believer. Mm-hmm. Like what sin could they really commit? Mm-hmm. A- any of them. Any of them mm-hmm. that would allow someone at the right place at the right time to mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. through their sin sure. and not be the victim mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you're not if you're a legitimate believer. But And I think that's actually what makes the warnings in the New Testament so powerful for the Christian is, you know, Hebrews tells us the, the the second result will be much worse than the first for the Christian, the one who's actually tasted of these heavenly things mm. and neglects the grace of God, mm-hmm. uh, the one who's been present, the one who knows, um, like the, the penalty for trampling underfoot the blood of Christ mm. um, is much more severe. And I think we stray away, or I'm sorry, we stray away, mm. we shy away from preaching on the warning passages a lot in scripture mm. as the reformed community, because it's like, no, Jesus has us. He'll never lose us. And amen to that. You know, that's right. a comfort we, we rest on at the end of the day, mm. but the, the warning passages serve a purpose for mm. the Christian. And that is to bring about perseverance uh, because mm. a true believer hears that passage and by God's power, mm. they persevere. Right. They hear life un- in those warning exactly. passages. They don't hear, they see what's well, at I stake. I want to do what I want to do. They it's see like, what's at stake. They mm. know what sin will do. And they're willing to take mm. whatever lengths necessary mm. in order to get rid of it. Right. They, they, they hear the word and they believe. Mm. Well, and I guess that would explain why the predominant evangelical theology is no matter what I do for my whole life, Jesus will just give me a big hug and meet me where I'm at. And mm. Oh, I, and, I know I said this the other day, but if I could tell you how many times I heard that outside of an abortion clinic. Right. What? Outside of an abortion clinic? Yes. People who claim to be believers. Oh. Yes. And that's a, that is a false gospel. It's a but false it's God. also, yes. And it's a delusion. It is a delusion that we have built. Wow. Of the it most is, primal yes, nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that is how far we're willing to go. Mm. Um, and that's the, that's just the point I'm trying to make that that we even Christians, mm. not all of them are actually Christians, right. have reformed the theology of the the Christian faith, which we can see because nobody cares about the historical beliefs of really any <laughs> ideology. But but it's just um, it is it's a fundamental change. Like we can't handle it. 
we so can't handle being under the judgment of God that we switch everything he said around and we just start saying to ourselves and to other people, it's okay. He just loves you so much that no matter what you do, that's, that's how complete the forgiveness of God is, is you can literally do whatever you want forever. And God, when, like when you're face to face, you're just going to feel his love. You're not going to feel anything else. Which is directly contrary to the, the verses right. that, and that we read even at the beginning. What a if way died. to give the church permission yes. to sin and do whatever. They, and here you go. You see this trend. It's like, oh, if you're ever trending towards what the world is doing, yeah. <laughs> you might be in a delusion. <laughs> well, in the context of the the abortion discussion, I know you want to talk about it um, yeah. after the fact, too. But just on that one example... I can think of so many examples of that happening. There's a video. It's the one where the lady threw the soda on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was confronted with the reason why she was there. And then her last thing that she wanted to make sure that was clear was that she is saved by the grace of God. And there's nothing she could ever do that would make God not love her. Mm. So not even fornication, mm. not idolatry, um, nothing mm. that could separate her from the love of Christ and for someone to make that profession, that utter self delusion, Mm. um, it is evidence that the grace of God did not change that person. Even if they sat under its hearing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So I, well, how do I wrap that one up? We're going to continue this discussion. (laughs) We are. We're going to continue this discussion. Um, I want to get into, the issue of abortion for sure, but just talking about what is the duty of a Christian man, a Christian woman uh, to seek out in their own hearts? What are some ways that we are actually just every day tempted? What does that look like? What are maybe the ways that the culture has influenced Christians, like actual practical examples of that um, and have that conversation because I think for me, and you brought this up earlier, the duty is that when we see those things happening out in the world, we have to like turn around and look inside right here, mm-hmm. our own house. Yeah. So where did they learn? Yeah. What are some of those things that we should be looking for a- and the practical how to, because a lot of times like maybe you're a Christian and you like assent, you mentally assent. Yes. yes, of course I shouldn't continue like but what does that practically look like how do you actually do that is a conversation that um we just want to continue so anyway thanks for joining us this week yeah it's been great i have a really fun question for next time that is not food related finally okay you can leave us a voicemail (laughs) at 470-465-0475 and we'll see you next week to the lord